Google, Tesla, Cloud Kitchen, Disney Plus, Airbnb's Brian Chesky. I got lots to talk about on this week's episode of News Entrepreneur's Experience. All right. Thanks for tuning in. If you are a regular listener of the podcast, you might be wondering what the heck is going on. Well, I'm trying something a little different. I spend a lot of time talking. It's all I do, I feel. So I just talk, talk, talk. Sometimes I do a little bit of math work. Um, but because I talk so much with entrepreneurs, I often find myself sharing stories with them or with other folks, maybe who aren't entrepreneurs, but are just in business and are curious about what's going on in the marketplace. It's a good conversation uh, starter. And so having um, been asked enough times and uh, chatting about it as much as I do, I thought I would dedicate, we're going to try to dedicate one episode a week to some of the headlines that are going through the business community that relate to an entrepreneur that is trying to fix, fund, or grow their business. And you've probably heard me say before that being an entrepreneur is a lonely place, and a lot of times you can feel like you're the only one who's out there, the only one that is trying to do something that not a lot of people do, which is to run a business, to build a business, to provide gainful employment for a team of people, to provide awesome products and services to customers. But in the course of doing that, it can be very much uh, a solo exercise. There's not a lot of folks that you can talk to. There's not a lot of real examples and practical information, which is typically what this podcast is about, where I talk about some of the conversations I'm having with entrepreneurs. Um, And so I thought bringing forward an idea like this, where I talk about the latest news headlines, uh, would be helpful. If you're an entrepreneur that's working out and you just need something to listen to while you work out, or maybe you're driving to the office, or maybe you're stuck at the desk doing a bunch of work and you just need something in the background, my hopes are that this episode and this these episodes that are to follow uh, will be beneficial to you. You'll get an opportunity to keep up to date with what's going on in the business community, and I'm going to tailor it so that it fits uh, you and what you're experiencing as an entrepreneur, so that with each episode as you learn about the various headlines that I talk about, that you are able to relate. Maybe not to all of them, but to some of them. And if you can relate to some of them, then maybe that's going to encourage you to keep going, to keep trying. And so every day I've posted over the past week, I've posted um, a blog entry that just shares my thoughts about a headline that I thought was interesting and related to entrepreneurs. And then in this episode, I'm just basically grabbing those uh, blog entries and then talking about them um, a little more freely. So let's get started. Um, before I do, sorry, before I do, I'd love to hear from you. If you like the episode, um, if you like this type of format, um, which will be longer form, I'm hoping that it will go um, a little bit longer, give you something to listen to. I know a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, some of the ones I enjoy the most happen to be longer form uh, podcasts. And so maybe this one works for you. And um, what I'll do in the notes as well is I'll just sort of point you um, if you want to jump ahead to some of the headlines that you thought were interesting, or maybe you read the blog entry about it and wanted to hear what I had to say, I'll just sort of put the time in the notes so that you can jump ahead and and give it a listen. So uh, the first um, 
it was funny that the first headline I looked at happened to be one about Airbnb, which is a company that uh, I just think emulates what it means to be an entrepreneur today. Um, you know, the the folks that started Airbnb, certainly the CEO, Brian Chesky, I mean, these guys, they're just so honest. They're so transparent. If you listen to them in interviews, they're going to they're going to tell you about the things that they're good at. They're going to tell you about all of the mistakes that they've made. They really don't pull any punches. And what I like most about these guys is I think they're Generation X. I think they're about the same. I think they're the same generation I am. So I feel like I can relate to them a lot because they're part of this whole changing of the guard, you know, the internet, technology, remote working, um, um, uh, people paying for experiences and that, and that sort of thing is, is like, you know, it's kind of a new era of business, I feel. And uh, the folks over at Airbnb and, and uh, Brian Chesky and his team, I think they continue just to demonstrate what it means to run a business, to do it properly. Um, they don't do everything perfectly, but I do think they do it properly. And so uh, if you paid attention at all to what was going on with Airbnb, they had uh, just a, you know, a ton of a ton of media attention because there was a, a big Halloween party that was booked through the Airbnb platform and um, a bunch of folks ended up being killed. And so not a positive thing whatsoever, um, but it brought forward uh, a lot of the things that it turns out Airbnb was working on to try and prevent things like that from happening. But um, uh, because of the news headlines and because of the attention that this attracted, uh, Brian Chesky, you know, and his team, they all had to kind of react immediately in real time uh, and do it in in the through the headlines. And so I just thought it was interesting that once the media got around to talking about it, and like any entrepreneur who has gotten a, a brutal phone call from maybe a creditor or the government or something brutal has happened in your business, the immediate thing that you want to do is you want to react and you just want to try and play defense. And then what Brian Chesky ended up doing is he ended up getting out in front of it. And he used it as an opportunity to a acknowledge that they had some work to do in their business. So as the leader, he was able to step forward. He was able to say, "Look, we made a mistake. We missed a lot of things. It turns out we were working on a lot of things, but because of this incident, we're now just going to fast track them." And so, uh, again, Airbnb. Just in case some of you happen to be listening to this and not knowing what it is, but it's basically like a VRBO or a, a vacation rental, where you go online or you open up the app on your phone, you book a. You book a, um, a room in someone else's home, you go and stay, and off you go. But it's become, it's, I mean, it's just become a massive, massive business, and Airbnb is, is, is just, I mean, it's huge. And so as this issue came forward, and if you're an entrepreneur facing those kind of issues where uh, you don't feel like you can do anything to get on the right side of it, Brian just decided to counteract the problem and launch a bunch of initiatives that are now going to fundamentally improve their business. And so if you want to list a property on Airbnb, um, there really isn't a huge verification process. And so now they have fast-tracked being able to do that. Um, one of the challenges that guests have using Airbnb is that they don't get their money back if they're not satisfied. And so now they're going to give 100% of the money back to Airbnb guests who... Um, write in or give feedback that they're not satisfied and that the listing didn't match their expectations based on what was being advertised. 
Airbnb is also set up a 24-7 hotline where real people are going to be available to help the guests um, who are having problems with listings. And so that's kind of a big deal. Um, and, um, this new bar that, that Airbnb has put in place is meant to give everyone a safer experience, but, you know, quite frankly is meant to help give him a a better, a better business. Um, in my blog post, I alluded to the fact that Brian Chesky is the guy who came up with that 10 star experience philosophy. And, and he just sort of said, Hey, you know, if, um, if you could articulate what a one-star experience in your business, what would it look like? It would probably look like probably providing the product or service that you provide. If you could get clients to give you three out of five stars, what would that look like? Well, you delivered the service with a smile and you were friendly. A five out of five star experience would look like you delivered the product and, or service. Uh, you did it where people were happy. But then people also uh, were so impressed that they ended up giving you their next opportunity. So they booked another appointment with you or they booked another, or they purchased another product or service. Anyway, he has this whole methodology that when he was building Airbnb, they used to try and get up to a 100-star experience, which is trying to imagine... If your customers had to give you 100 stars out of five, what would your business have to deliver to them in order for that to happen? And then believe it or not, Brian and the folks over at Airbnb um, have attempted to do that. And they get up every day to to, uh, make the business deliver on that kind of of an expectation, which is pretty amazing because I think most entrepreneurs just try to survive, let alone give customers a five out of five, let alone a 100 out of five star experience. And so in the midst of this chaos that the Airbnb folks were up against, uh, they were able to lean into it and um, address the problems that their business was having, but then uh, were able to use all of the attention to get the attention of the team and the folks at Airbnb to say, hey, these things that it turns out we were working on, but we weren't going to roll them out for another couple of years. We're doing it right now. And we're not going home. Basically, we're not going home until this is done. And so I thought for entrepreneurs that are running into serious problems in their business, um, there's an opportunity for you to use that problem to make your business better. Um, You can do a better job of delivering the product or service. You can do it at better margins. You can do it through a better experience. Um, But problems really are just opportunities in disguise. And, um, you know, real business, I don't think that businesses generally get better unless they experience problems. And that's because problems tend to highlight where you're weak. And that then gives you the opportunity to strengthen where you're weak. And so if your business is in the midst of problems right now, I wouldn't be concerned about it. I mean, concerned about it to the extent that you have to address it. But I would really be using it as an opportunity to say, as an entrepreneur, what do I need to, if I'm experiencing a bunch of turmoil right now, what do I need to do to make, to make not only the turmoil become um, less painful, but what do I need to do to turn this business around? Or what do I need to do now that the weak points or the problem, the problematic points of my business have been figured out or have been highlighted, what do I need to do to figure them out? How do I need to solve them? How can I fix them? Because... If I can do that, Dylan says, (laughs) if I can do that, there are many examples of where businesses end up becoming much, much better than the competition and they end up advancing in the marketplace because they were able to turn something that was working against them into something that can work for them. And that's the idea of not reacting and counteracting instead. Um, 
The next headline that caught my attention throughout the week was the whole launch of Disney+. Plus. You, you certainly needed to be living under a rock to miss it. Uh, Disney Plus launched an online streaming service, much like Netflix um, or Apple TV or Crave TV or any of the other services that you're probably accustomed to. And, at, you know, the, the chatter had been that Netflix and Disney Plus were going to be competing for the same customer. And as an example, in my family, I've got bunch of kids, got five kids, there's seven of us that uh, look to use Netflix. And so then the big question was, well, does Netflix lose our family as a customer because now we're going to subscribe to Disney Plus? Or is Dylan's family going to subscribe to both? Turns out we've subscribed to both. And I don't believe, and I wrote in, in my blog entry this past week, that I don't believe that Disney Plus is competing with Netflix. Um, first of all, Disney has their own catalog of content. And as I was learning more about uh, Disney, uh, they end up generating such an enormous amount of revenue from other opportunities uh, in their business. Um, so their theme parks um, generate an enormous amount of, op- of revenue for their business. Then their licensing, uh, the licensing fees that they earn off of the sports rights that they have generates um, a huge amount of income for them. And so I think that um, I think that Disney could run, I think Disney Plus was, an, it was a way for Disney to continue to maintain the brand loyalty of its customers. I think that um, because it makes so much money in these other areas, theme parks, merchandise, sports rights, that going into the streaming space because their content was being used by other providers, I think going into the streaming space was just simply a way for them to keep a hold of their of their customer base. So I don't think they were competing. I don't think they are competing with Netflix whatsoever. Now the reason why I decided to pick this particular headline not only because of the fact that it was a huge deal in the in the business community this past week, but because I think as entrepreneurs you always have to know what your competitors are doing or what they could be doing to take customers away from you. I think that you know Netflix and Disney Plus don't necessarily highlight that that there's customers that are going to be lost from one to the other, although there might be, I don't know. But I think it highlighted more that as a business you have to find ways or as an entrepreneur running a business, you have to find ways to offer other services or other products to your to your customers to keep them loyal to your brand, to keep them loyal to what it is, uh, what the solution is that you provide for them. So in the case of Disney, Disney's an entertainment company. Um, they look to um, uh, people pay them money to ha- go and have a great experience. And so being able to offer as many services as they can or as many products as they can that reinforce that experience is a positive thing. If your business is uh, solving a problem for customers right now or for clients, then your best opportunity to maintain those relationships and grow them is to find other services or other products that you can bring into the into the relationship over and above what your competitors are doing. Um, said a different way, Netflix doesn't have other products or services, and so their main streaming service is their business. So they don't use the streaming service to leverage exposure into other products. Whereas Disney can, Disney's streaming service, even if they ran it at a loss, 
would still be a good investment for them because it puts them in front of their customer base. It helps them uh, continue to build and instill that brand loyalty, which makes it very, very difficult for other companies to come along and take that customer. Now, you might be thinking, Dylan, I don't run a company the size of Disney. And I understand. I agree. But I do think there's a germ of of an idea there that in order to stay ahead of your competitors, in order to maintain customer loyalty and protect your core business, there may be opportunities for your business to offer more to its customers and, of course, earn some revenue from it. That, that's how you can grow. Um, but more, more than that, more important than that, is you want to maintain and build the loyalty and bottom line of your business. And I think that this whole launching of Disney Plus was just such an obvious example of how Disney uh, was doing that. And so they have these other products, these other Uh, ways in which they generate revenue. And because streaming had become such a big deal, they were able to launch a streaming service. They ended up buying another company, uh, as it turns out. But they were able to uh, launch the streaming service, again, not to um, uh, add to their bottom line, I don't think, as much as just strengthen it, solidify it, lock it in, and maintain their brand loyalty with customers. And so I just thought, you know, if you're trying to fix your business right now or you're trying to grow your business, one of the ways to do that is to examine and look at how loyal are our customers. And if I don't know the answer to that, I should probably figure that out. And then what does our business do to um, enhance that loyalty, to instill that loyalty, to secure that loyalty? Do we hold events? Do we offer other products and services? Are there some high-touch things that we do along the way to have our customers remember us? And um, again, Disney Plus, I, ju- I thought was just a great, a great jumping off point to speak to that. Um, and then moving right along, there's a fella out in the marketplace um, who started a business you've probably heard of called Uber. His name is Travis uh, Kalanick. And I'm a big fan of the guy. I don't think he's necessarily done everything perfect in terms of running Uber and ultimately um, <laughs> leaving Uber. Um, but, you know, he... he He's kind of like the classic entrepreneur that saw an opportunity, took advantage of it, grew at all costs, and now Uber is just part of our society, part of our culture, and I really think was the beginning of that whole click a button, get a service era that we are experiencing right now. Anyway, he left Uber. He left Uber, I think, a year or two ago, got a whole bunch of money, and it was announced, or he made the announcement because of where he was getting his funding from, which... I'm not sure I care to talk about on this podcast, but he launched a new business called Cloud Kitchens. And what I thought was interesting was, first of all, Cloud Kitchens, um, the idea is that there are restaurants, because of of these on-demand delivery services, um, like Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats, for example, uh, people want food from restaurants. But for but restaurants that are already busy or for restaurants that have a full kitchen staff, it can be difficult to keep up with all those on-demand orders. And the, the, the thought is that those on-demand orders are going to continue to consume a lot more of a restaurant's kitchen. And so by being able to launch these off-site locations where they're literally just kitchens where food can be made, given to the delivery services, and then ultimately given to customers, that that's a way for um, restaurants to cut their costs. But it also allows smaller 
um, restaurants to expand their customer base and make more money because they can serve more customers. If you're a restaurant that maybe can serve 20 people, but you can use one of these cloud location kitchens to serve another 100 people through an on-demand service, but not have to pay for all of the overhead associated with running an entire restaurant and staffing it, then that value proposition kind of makes sense. So he's launched this Cloud Kitchens. It's already a big deal. Um, But the reason I thought this was an article worth sharing with entrepreneurs that, that are paying attention to whatever I'm doing is because if you took the idea, if anyone else took the idea then uh, from where it is, from an idea to execution to profitability, it would take X amount of time. But because of all the experience Travis has with on-demand, with creating um, software that is able to manage the logistics, and in Uber it was managing physical cars, drivers, and riders, and with Cloud Kitchens he's now able to offer the logistics associated with uh, food uh, preparation and delivery and logistics, as well as the drivers and the physical location. So if someone else was to take this idea and go from nothing to something, it would take X amount of time. But Travis, leveraging his experience and skills, probably has been able to do it in a fraction of the time. And so I thought this was important because within uh, within most businesses that an entrepreneur is running, where there is a team of people, so it's not just maybe a solo entrepreneur, but there's a team of people. A lot of times being able to grow is a function of looking at the people and the resources that your business is using right now to deliver a product or service to paying customers. And then finding a growth opportunity may be just as simple as evaluating your team and saying, what else can we do to leverage what we've learned into new opportunities. In Travis's case, because of this big announcement with uh, Cloud Kitchens this past week, he's an example of someone that said, look, I've done this before. I can do it again. I'm just going to do it in a different space. But fundamentally, we're still doing the same thing. We're managing the logistics of on-demand requests. And we are lining up uh, not a rider and a driver, but an eater and a chef. Or, or, or a consumer and a restaurant. And so in your business, there's probably something that your business is doing right now that could be leveraged into doing fundamentally the same thing, but maybe it, it just looks a little different. I know that a business I'm involved in, uh, we are fundamentally in the hazardous materials business. And so we have laborers that go to the market and clean up dirty sites. Well, those same laborers and our project management software and all the stuff that we do to manage our core business can be leveraged into other opportunities like general demolition, like some light services like painting, um, like like commercial painting or coatings as an example. And so we don't need to reconfigure our entire business. We just need to look at the skills and the talents and the resources that our business has and how, figure out how to leverage it into a different vertical. And that's um, that's a simple way to grow your business. And, and again, because of this announcement with, with um, Cloud Kitchen and Travis from Uber, I just thought, wow, for entrepreneurs that are looking for new revenue or they're stuck for ideas, sometimes just looking at your business from a different vantage point can help you find new growth. And, and the key typically is leverage. How could you leverage your computer systems, your business processes, your people with all of their talent, skills, and experience? How could you take what, what you do every day and apply it to a different solution that the market um, 
uh, could benefit from. So maybe that gets you thinking um, a little bit about about your business. Um, along, if you if you know me at all, you'll know that there's only a handful of entrepreneurs that I think uh, very highly of, or certainly companies that I try to pay close attention to, and Tesla is one of them. And that Elon Musk, I tell you, he's I think he's just one of the greatest one of the greatest entrepreneurs that's going to go down in the Entrepreneur Hall of Fame if there ever is one. But the big deal here was um, for you entrepreneurs that are out there duking it out every day and you're trying to figure out a way to get up and face the challenges that your business is having, even if your business isn't backed into a corner, but it's just a tough go. It's difficult to um, lead your team. It's difficult to work with bankers and investors and customers. And sometimes it just feels like the entire world is against you. Well, take heart because I'm sure that in some small way you can relate to Elon Musk. So here's kind of the backdrop of, of this headline. And it was pretty massive. Yeah, um, there, Elon Musk has been fighting for quite some time now the idea that, first of all, electric cars are a waste of time. There's a percentage, a large percentage of the market that just says this guy is drunk. And uh, this whole world that he's created of Tesla and electric vehicles is going to come crashing down. And they believe it so much, in fact, that they've begun not begun, for, for quite some time, they've been shorting the stock. And as uh, Tesla has not hit its deadlines or it's not hit its targets that the stock market has set for it, um, the short sellers, you know, keep shorting the stock even more. Now, I'm not going to get into a lesson about what shorting a stock means, but suffice to say, it means that there is a natural brake pedal on what the stock price is doing. And that makes it difficult because there are people who, there's a whole team of people working for Elon that have taken a lot of their compensation in stock. And so every time the stock market go, or the stock price goes down, can you imagine what that must feel like trying to motivate your staff going into the office or going in Tesla's case, going into the factory floor that day? Well, this past week, uh, in spite of what all of the naysayers were saying, uh, the market had agreed that Tesla was going to lose about 46 cents per share. Again, you don't need to be uh, well-versed in stocks and shares except to know that Tesla was supposed to lose money. It was supposed to lose about 46 cents per share. It turns out that Tesla earned, not lost, $1.91 per share. So again, even though you may not know anything about stocks, Tesla was supposed to lose a bunch of money. It turns out they made a bunch of money. And Elon Musk got his moment of glory or his 15 minutes of glory um, as the announcement made its way around the stock market because for all of those folks that are shorting the stock, uh, this obviously didn't work well for them. And it turns out they're going to be out of the money now or they could be out of the money now depending on what the stock price continues to do. Now, my point wasn't that you should buy the stock, that you should short it, that uh, Tesla's a, you know, a company worth investing in, but rather just that if you had to put yourself in the shoes of Elon Musk over the course of the entire time he's been building this company called Tesla, not only building a company, but trying to change an entire marketplace, he's had to work against some pretty strong headwinds. And I know as an entrepreneur, while we're not tesla size, we also face headwinds every single day. And a lot of times it's tough to tell people about those headwinds and it's tough to work it out out loud. It's tough to figure out what to do. So what do you do? You just sort of grin and bear it. You wake up the next day and face whatever challenges you have. And if you can put yourself in the shoes of Elon Musk, you can imagine how difficult it must have been for him um, to do that. And trying to lead a business when there's a bunch of noise is not easy 
Um, and as an entrepreneur, when you're trying to lead um, your business and getting distracted by anything that pops up, um, sometimes it's nice just to see someone is winning. And I thought that this was a pretty big win that any entrepreneur out there building a business should be able to relate to and feel pretty darn good about. So I don't know what Tesla's going to do next quarter. I don't know what the share price is going to do next week, but I certainly couldn't help but smile as I was going through my Twitter feed and I saw that uh, the market had agreed that Tesla was supposed to lose a bunch of money. And instead, not only did they make a bunch of money, but I mean, they just crushed it, completely crushed it. So take heart, entrepreneur, you're not alone. Whoever whoever it is that's listening to this, um, if Tesla can do it, you can do it. And sometimes you just need a shot in the arm, an example of, 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 of it working out. And just a little side note about me, um, I grew up reading biographies. And uh, if you've not heard me say it, I'll, I'll just quickly say it here that uh, I became an entrepreneur because I love the idea of what it meant to create something out of nothing. Um, I've since learned that that's very hard to do and very few entrepreneurs can do it. That's why the failure rate, I think, for meaningful businesses um, are so is so high. But uh, this, this uh, story about Tesla just sort of fits my natural narrative as an entrepreneur because I just think there's something very magical and romantic about building a business. I think being able to provide employment to a bunch of people, being able to change the marketplace and make a difference is is really worth the time and energy and effort and stress and anxiety that goes into running a business. And so I was smiling from ear to ear when I saw that um, press release come out and um, and obviously what it must be like, uh, what it must have been like to to know if you're Elon Musk that that's what the results were going to be, but not, not being able to say anything to the marketplace and, and thumb your nose at them. So <laughs> anyway, um, so on the back of being encouraged, uh, there was a, a headline that went around about Google uh, talking about how they're shutting down their weekly meetings and instead they are going to uh, turn them into monthly meetings. And these are sort of those town hall meetings where employees are given an opportunity to bring issues and problems forward. And it used to be that you know 80% of people would participate in these meetings. It's down to 25% today and people are leaking what happens every Friday and if you run a team of any kind of size, you know how much work goes into chatting and talking and bringing issues forward and so forth. But on a weekly basis, if you're the size of Google, I think it would be impossible, just absolutely impossible to manage a weekly meeting and then to deal with all of the challenges that come out of that meeting, like having to deal with the news and the media. And so again, what does this have to do with any entrepreneur that's listening today is I think that there was a lesson there that your team, you know, your team really matters. Um, the culture that that you're building as an entrepreneur um, is going to find its way into every single thing that your that your business that your business does. And as the entrepreneur, you have to have a pretty good sense of where your team was. And in the case of Google, I think it was an example of where maybe the it's got, it had gone too far. And Google really didn't know where their team was anymore because it all just became, first of all, the participation level had dropped. But for the people that were dropping, they weren't making it easy to, to have productive meetings. And so I think that as an entrepreneur, we do need to create genuine spaces where our teams can bring issues and questions forward, where we are not telling, telling them something, but they are telling us 
what they're having a hard time with or where they see opportunities. And an entrepreneur that's prepared to listen to his team is probably going to be building a business on the back of a great culture where people want to use their skills, talents, and experience to create value. But if an entrepreneur is not prepared to listen to his team or it's prepared to uh, dig its heels in, then it can be a business that just becomes stagnant and ultimately doesn't have um, it doesn't kind of have a healthy pulse that's that's running it uh, every single day. And so again, much like on the back of the Tesla announcement, I know that very few entrepreneurs listening to this are running Google size companies, if any. Um, but the, even these big companies have these types of challenges. And so if you're an entrepreneur and you're wrestling with your team or you're really trying to figure out how to communicate with them or get them to act or 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 um, move the needle on how you're interacting. I think that um, Google does it. Um, they're scaling back on it. They're trying to be better at it, which means that you and I, out running our businesses, we we're trying to we we have we shouldn't feel guilty about trying to do the same thing. As an entrepreneur, we have to be self aware enough to know that everything we're doing is impacting everything and everyone in our business, and so we have to find a way to. Uh, create a moment with our teams where we can chat, uh, more or less listen while they chat, bring issues and challenges forward. And again, if Google struggles with it, you as an entrepreneur, you're going to struggle with it. But just because you struggle with with it doesn't mean it shouldn't happen. Cultures are really important. And if you want to have a successful business that is disproportionately more profitable than its competitors, just simply create a better a better culture. You'll You'll attract better people. You will you will find that the value that those people create is exponentially better than what they're doing at the uh, at the competition or the competitors rather. Uh, and the reason for that is just people want to be heard. You know, they want to be led by a good leader, but they also want to be heard and they need an opportunity to, to chat about that. And so um, if Google wrestles with this, take heart if you're wrestling with it, but don't give up trying to uh, give your team an opportunity to interact with you. Um, every business... Depends on people, uh, so you can't ignore the people in your business. And um, it is worthwhile uh, if you're not going to do it on a group basis. Um, I know that in my experience, a lot of times I've just sat down, had coffee, gone out for lunch with people to really listen, just to absolutely listen to what they have to say about either the job I'm doing or the job they're doing inside of a company where I have some influence and can and can alter the result. So uh, that's the end of of this particular episode of News Entrepreneur's Experience, where I'm trying to take real-life examples from current news headlines of entrepreneurs that are trying to fix, fund, or grow their business and share it with you um, so that you can get a sense of what else is going on in the world and realize that you're not alone and that the challenges that you're facing are being faced by other entrepreneurs out there who are making headlines, as it turns out. So hopefully you found this valuable. Hopefully it encouraged you or maybe put a stone uh, in your shoe. And if there's something I can do to help you fix, fund, or grow your business, feel free to reach out to me. I'm a pretty easy guy to get a hold of. And uh, if you like this episode, let me know. Um, I'm going to do them here for the next little while and sort of measure the results against the other episodes that I do. And uh, uh, if you've got suggestions, um, then let me know because I'll try to incorporate them as well. So Hopefully, um, hopefully you'll get, uh, hopefully we'll catch you on the next episode.